Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Fund Ready Podcast. I'm your host, Heidi Jai, Development and Communications Director at Greater Newark Enterprises Corporation, also known as GNEC or GNEC. Today, we have a fantastic topic to delve into, managing small business growth. Whether you're a first-time entrepreneur or a seasoned business owner, this episode is packed with insights on how to effectively navigate and sustain your growth in your small business journey. But before we get into that, I wanna introduce our very special guest for today, Dr. Tamara Mangum. Dr. Mangum is a true powerhouse, an entrepreneur, small business owner, motivational speaker, educator, and associate vice provost at Strayer University. So her wealth of experience and knowledge is exactly what we need to shed light on this discussion. So welcome, Dr. Mangum. Thank you, super excited to be here. So excited to have you. So let's just dive right in. So we all know that like small business growth is an exciting phase for a business, but it's kind of stressful. So <laughs> could you share some strategies that entrepreneurs should keep in mind when it comes to this part? Absolutely. That's a great question. I think that first and foremost, entrepreneurs must be calculated in their growth. There must be a plan for any type of scalability that they're thinking about. But at its core, innovation and creativity are, I think, at the heart of small business growth. And these things will ultimately lead to their sustainability over a longer period of time. Now, I think it's important, too, that entrepreneurs keep a, a pulse in their ears in the market and intimately familiarize themselves with the people that they serve, um, their needs and focus on really providing a genuine customer experience, right? Like everybody likes the customer experience. Those people ultimately will invest in you. So it's critical that you hire the right people, doing the right things and at the right times to accomplish this. Perfect. So let's kind of like go a little bit deeper into what you just said, because all of those points mm -hmm. are super important. So mm -hmm. when they're now starting to get bigger. There's like, you know, operations kind of, you know, dwindle a little bit when you're focused on multiple things at once. And as an, mm -hmm. I know as an entrepreneur yourself, you know that you wear multiple hats in your business. So what mm -hmm. were some ways that you, when you had or are continuing your, your small business, how are some ways that you like streamlined your processes in order to like stay on top of the quality control, but also, mm -hmm. you know, maintain your business? Listen, technology is a beautiful thing. And to whatever extent possible, automate, automate, automate. That is the key for improved and streamlined processes and workflow in any business. It really allows businesses to focus on the things that matter the most while decreasing cost and speed and, you know, all that kind of great stuff as it relates to the del delivery of your service from your recruitment practices to decreasing or increasing your ability to invoice and bill your customers to even talent management and training. Those automated processes truly do help in making sure that you are reaching your end goal. Um, I think another thing I want to mention is to conduct what we call process mapping. And a lot of people don't talk about this, but process mapping is a way at showing you how things are done from start to finish. And it could really be 
beneficial in making sure that your products and your services reach the right customers at the right time. So for most product-based businesses, we call this a playbook, right? And that playbook outlines and details strategies and interventions for whatever scenarios you might find yourself in. Oh, wow. That's, that's a really good insight. And how, how would they start to kind of lay that out? Start writing, right? <laughs> start writing. Make sure that you have processes in place that flow with any deliverable that you want. So for example, get you some pen and paper. I tell people this all the time. Don't shy away from pen and paper. We're technology driven, right? We use Microsoft Word and all the bells and whistles, but pen and paper works just fine. Start writing down the processes and flow of meeting your deliverables. deliverables. For, for example, let's say you want to highlight your invoicing process, right? You need to know step-by-step step how it's done so that other people can pick up that manual or that playbook and do the exact same thing. Yeah. I mean, you bring up a good point on like, you know, mapping things out. So then that way, you know, those things transition to when your business grows and you have employees. Mm -hmm. Now you yourself know that as a small business owner and an entrepreneur, that business is your baby. Mm -hmm. You want to do things your way and, you know, <laughs> the right way to do it is the way that you do it. So how does one as a business owner, when they're about <laughs> to do the hiring process that they're so used to doing alone, mm -hmm. how would they go about like not being like, you know, a micromanager or, you know, really produce good employees that really understand mm -hmm. the assignment without you having to hover over them? Yeah. So that's kind of tricky, right? Yeah. So I, <laughs> I am the type of leader who really allows my employees to do what it is that I charge them to do, right? I like to make sure that I give them the tools and the resources necessary so that they can move forward with meeting their deliverables. So for example, it's important that you hire the right talent at the right time so they can do the right things. I said this before. So once you build that trust with your employees, I think it's easier to kind of take a step away from the business. I always say when I talk to entrepreneurs, listen, you need to get to a point in your business as the owner where you could stop working in your business and start working on your business. But that requires you to hire the right talent in order for that to happen. So when it comes to micromanaging, sometimes admittedly, you know, I'm still very hands-on. I'm yeah. like, oh my gosh, <laughs> you know, I want this done this way, right? But then you can make tweaks to your playbook, whereas though you're including all of the relevant things that you need in that so that people could do the job the way it should be done. Amazing. Always back to the guidelines that you set. And mm -hmm. you're the boss. You have to always remember that. <laughs> but, but also give people time to kind of grow within your business as well. I think it's important that you as a leader, right, you can mm -hmm. set the example, but you're also hiring people to do the things that you can no longer do. And then they might have some things that may be able to benefit your business in the long run. So that's what you mm -hmm. mentioned about hiring the right people. And that's essentially what you want. You can't be everything all the time. No, no, <laughs> right. Not. <laughs> so speaking of that, how do you create like a retention strategy for the people that you employ and create a positive work environment? I know you kind of touched on it, but how do you, how do you dive deeper into that? Especially when somebody has not had employees before? Yeah. Well, I think that that's a fully loaded question, right? Because first it's important to really under, underscore that retention is all about 
holding on to your most valuable assets, right? That is our people. But at doing so, it comes with a cost. And the strategies that I've used in the past, and that has been quite effective for me in most cases, is to ensure that I work to create a culture of creativity and inclusiveness and authenticity so that people are allowed to operate in their own space. And also by offering flexible work schedules, right? That's something that I've done before too, allowing people to work in their own personal space. For example, during COVID, it gave us the opportunity to really explore that. Um, and we've been working from home, I think 100% of the time. And the employees are like, oh my God, I just love this, right? Like Dr. T, I don't want to go back to the office. Thank you so much. And what I realized during that time is that employees were more effective working from home than they were in the office, right? I don't know what that's really about, (laughs) but it's creating an environment where your employees feel empowered to make decisions without you, right? So that has really benefited benefited us over the last couple of years. Amazing. No, it's true. I mean, people become more creative the more comfortable that they are. Um, Mm -hmm. sometimes people can't just be in a cubicle and like, you know, the fluorescent lighting may not be as Mm -hmm. (laughs) motivational (laughs) for people to become creative, but you know, obviously it depends on what, what type of work that they're doing, but figuring out what motivates your employees the most is Mm -hmm. definitely essential. But I know we talked about quality control and strategy and employees. Um, we need some finances in order to expand our business. (laughs) So... (laughs) Let's talk about like what is like required. Like how does an entrepreneur make like informed decisions when seeking out like funding or loans, investors, et cetera? Mm -hmm. Now, listen, any investment that you make as an entrepreneur, any investment that you get will cost you, right? There's always risks with any of them. And I, I truly don't want other entrepreneurs to make the same mistake that I made early in my business like 18 years ago. I bootstrapped my company using my own personal savings, and this was not the most effective and efficient way of managing my growth. It did lead to my sustainability over a longer period of time, but you need a what I like to call a strategic financial partnership to scale, right? So I, I want to just back up two steps. There is a difference between growth and scaling, right? Scaling is about finances. It's about money, right? Whereas though your growth has everything to do with what you put into your business, such as resources, those types of things. So once you understand why you want to scale, because that's what we're specifically talking about, you can identify what financial resources that you need to make that happen for you. So some of the things that I look out for when I am looking for an investment into my company, I look at how long will it take for me to pay that investment back, right? If it's a payable investment, I look at, can that investment stream grow with me as I grow, right? Or as I scale. While not ideal for me, my decision was to use a factoring company. It was based on the fact that they could grow with me exponentially as I grew in my business without having to worry about running into the trap of a financial ruling later on down the road. Sometimes it might also benefit you in the growth process to really think about acquiring the least amount of investment possible to make your goals happen. I think sometimes what happens is that entrepreneurs, we take on a whole hefty amount of investment thinking that's what we need when we truly don't. 
you know, a small injection into your company could be the basis for getting you to where you want to be. And then later on, you can explore other opportunities to increase the investments that's coming into your company. So what additional resources would you say, you know, starting entrepreneur or somebody who Mm -hmm. wouldn't normally know where to look, start? Mm -hmm. So any suggestions there? Yeah. So I'm big on partnerships, right? So if you find yourself in the small business category, it would behoove you to kind of explore this concept of partnering with other people, right? To get the job done so you can compete after larger contracts. You can take a small portion. You know, my motto is, you know, 10, 10%, 20%, of 100 is better than nothing, right? So that's another way to also scale is by partnering with other organizations that do something similar or even different to what you do so you can expand your service offerings to a potential customer. So absolutely, my thing is partnerships, right? I try not to take on more money if I don't have to. I try to grow organically in my company so it alleviates the debt. One thing that you don't want to do when you're trying to scale (laughs) is acquire debt, right? Because the goal is to increase revenue. And along with revenue, we know that expenses come. So we want to make sure we keep those expenses relatively low so that as you're scaling, you have more revenue to reinvest back into your company. So... One other thing, I know we've been talking about, you know, you as a small business owner, let's mention what business you do have and give us a little mm-hmm. bit of a background oh. on what that is. We forgot to say that in the beginning, but hey. I know, I know, I know right? Okay. So when people ask me, what is it that I do, right? I hire and fire all day. So I own a temporary staffing firm. We specialize in providing services to city, state, and government agencies, as well as private sector organizations. We put bodies in seats. That's what we do all day, right? And I've been doing that for 18 years. That's my baby company. And then recently, a couple of years ago, I started another company called DTM Security Management Group, which handles everything related to providing security services to companies. Third company that I have is called DTM Enterprises. And that company houses everything that I love. So from spoken word to my books, I'm an author as well. So it houses my books. It houses my motivational speaking gigs, those types of things. I acquired a couple of t-shirt companies. They fall underneath DTM Enterprises as well. So that's what I do. Oh my gosh, so many hats. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I know. That's what you can do when you scale, Right. right? So scaling, again, is all about revenue. So when you get to that point, you're able to branch out and do the things that you really love. Absolutely. And thank you so much for sharing what it is that you do. And you can definitely relate to the entrepreneurs and listeners of this podcast, especially as a small business owner. Like You understand exactly the growing pains that it Mm -hmm. takes in order to scale and grow your business. So I think Mm -hmm. it was super insightful. And thank you so much for sharing a little bit of your background. But before we close, could you share a brief motivational message to our listeners who might be facing these challenges? Absolutely. I'm not sure how motivational it is, but I want to say that it's never personal, right? It's business. And in line with the quote that Rome wasn't built in a day, nor was growth, all right? It takes time to get there. Growth and scaling, it takes time. And it's often organic for a lot of small businesses 
No one will share your vision for growth more than you. So you have to stay resilient. You have to stay steadfast. You have to be relentless in executing on your growth strategy. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on this podcast and really sharing your insight and definitely, you know, sharing your experience as well as, you know, what they should be looking for. So that's a wrap for today's episode, guys. I hope that you found this discussion as enlightening as I did. And remember that managing your small business growth is all about strategic planning, embracing change and nurturing your team. So stay tuned for more exciting episodes of the Fund Ready podcast, where we bring you expert advice um, and engaging conversation to empower you through your entrepreneurial journey. Until next time, this is Heidi Jai signing off. And just remember that if you're fund ready, success is just around the corner.